Hi, my name is Michelle Cardos, and I am a doctoral student in organ performance at the University of Southern California. I'm also a certified music therapist and teach music classes around the Los Angeles area. Popular music currently has issues with inclusion and equity where women receive little awareness and are often paid less. In this podcast, I'll be looking to define why gender equity is an important topic within popular music and how including it within the education in the field can better serve the students, teachers, and industry. Thanks for tuning in. Let's start today's podcast with a mind exercise. Think about the following question. What gender do you think of for the following occupations in the music industry? Producer. Songwriter. Vocalist. Sound engineer. Guitarist. Executive. Now think about the following questions. Which jobs require working with people? Which jobs have the most status? Which jobs have the higher salaries? In association with International Women's Day, the USC Anberg Inclusion Initiative released its report on gender representation in the music industry. The results of the report echoed through multiple news sources throughout the next weeks as it found that women in music were still underrepresented. Although you may or may not have found this true in the occupation scenario we just did, here is what the report finds. The most representation held for women was 21.6% in the area of artist. The report also shows that other fields of popular music contained even less representation, with the most shocking example being that less than 1% of 900 top popular songs have only women writers while 57.3% have no women writers. For advancement in the industry to take place for women, changes must be made so that these statistics no longer have to be the reality of the music industry. Ultimately, the report also points out that music is a solo activity for most women. They are often not associated with groups or even with another artist, as in the case with duets or other collaborations. So not only are women underrepresented, They also often have to work in solo careers without much room for collaboration with others. The representation as it stands now has a vast difference between the realities of men and women songwriters. From the top 900 songs of the last 10 years, men were not only the top songwriters, but also outnumber what women songwriters there even were. Recognizing that this is the reality of the music industry today, how do we change it for the better? What does the popular music field offer in terms of gender representation for the future? How do different genders learn in terms of popular music or generally with music? And how does someone effectively teach popular music understanding gender equity? Schools provide a wide range of assistance for people as they develop, and so it is also here that misrepresentation can be addressed. Victoria Armstrong writes that schools act as key sites in the construction and formation of gender, with teachers playing a key role in policing the boundaries of what constitutes appropriate behaviors and expectations for males and females, based on common sense notions about society and the role of different groups within it. Teaching and learning within popular music can thus contribute to the change by helping to educate and support. Part of this is how students are taught and what they learn from experiences. 
Another part is the space we as educators allow for these topics to be addressed and the support given to students to develop their talents while also supporting each other. To talk more about how gender equity can play a role in teaching and learning popular music, here is Amy Liu, who is a band director and music teacher at John H. Francis Polytechnic Senior High School. Welcome, Amy. Tell us a little more about yourself and what you teach. Uh, yeah, hi, I'm Amy, currently in my third year teaching at Francis Polytechnic High School in Sun Valley, uh, which is in the Los Angeles Unified School District. Uh, I teach the music industries and technology course and instrumental music. This is my third year as a credentialed uh, classroom teacher. So the second portion of my first year was impacted by COVID. Um, I'm also a board member of um, the organization Los Angeles Secondary Music Teachers Association. Uh, that includes middle and high school music teachers. Uh, I'm also a part of the National and State Music Educators Association, as well as the Music and Entertainment Industry Educators Association. I'm mouthful. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, in addition to education, I'm also a contributor and I help out with um, the mentorship program for the Asian American Collective, uh, which is a nonprofit organization that provides resources to Asian Americans in the music industry and uh, other creative spaces. Um, and then I also started doing more work in the industry and joined a small company called Holiday Management to nurture and guide up and coming artists and creatives. Um, so I know I just said a lot of words, but my goal is to be as involved as I can so that I can extend these opportunities and connections to my students if they realize that they want to go into a meaningful career in the industry. Yeah, and I know you and I had talked about before about how some of it stemmed from things that you felt helped you along the way and things that made you a better teacher and helped you better engage with your students. And can you just say a little bit more about this and, and kind of your journey with this, with this whole process? Things I had no idea about and I just felt so ashamed. I mean, what kind of a person with a master's degree in music not know that A&R is a position and not a company name. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I was like, I felt like I was stunting my students' growth and driving the kids away who came to me wanting to learn about music, but realized that the music they want to learn about is too far removed from what I was teaching. Um, and this made me realize why music programs are having such a hard time keeping enrollment up. And um, such programs are struggling with funding. Um, and uh, it was interesting. I came across a 2019 BBC article that says music education is quickly being outdated and that people just don't engage with music the way we used to. Um, so we either adapt or update our practices or just continue struggling. Yeah. And, and who knows where that struggle will lead <laughs> yeah. if we don't if we don't try to adapt because I mean things constantly evolve yeah I mean looking into the history of how music education started in America um we're, we're still stuck in the 1800s mm-hmm. our practices and most of our music too um and I mean with uh the death of George Floyd and how that spurred this whole need for more diversity and transparency um, decolonizing the classroom was the buzzword. Uh, people started looking out for more diverse composers. But to me, it still feels like we're still too Eurocentric in our practices. Um, this isn't what the kids are engaged with. Sure, you know, you add 
you know, some more color to um, our repertoire, but it's still the same repertoire. Um, so, uh, but yeah, popular music as in, you know, what kids are engaged with that type of music and not saying, you know, classical music is the best and only type of music we should learn about. Yeah. And so I guess I'm wondering too, in your experience, uh, have you found like why gender equity is important within this all? Um, why is it like important as an educator? And I guess the biggest question I think that everybody comes back to is like, why does representation matter? Yeah. Um, so as a female Asian um, in this, you know, um, band world, <laughs> I have yet to see I mean, I've only saw one other female Asian high school band director in the country. Um, and so growing up, I was trained by these men um, and predominantly white men. Uh, and then sometimes I, I, there, there were a couple of females, um, uh, female band directors uh, that I got the pleasure of working with and seeing them in action. Um, but when I, when it was my turn to teach, I was using those same practices, the same demeanor, the same behavior that I learned. And it fell, you know, it, I it's struggled you. so hard. Yeah, it wasn't me. It's not so you. the kids felt yeah. like they wanted to push me a little bit, like the boundaries. And, um, and so my background, you know, I, with my parents, they came from China right before I was born. And so it was still very much raised in that traditional um, Chinese household where women are not expected to speak up, um, to lead. Uh, and so when I told my mom that, you know, I wanted to teach high school, she's like, are you sure you're good? So my whole life, every step of the way, I had her in my voice where, are you sure? <laughs> are you, can you really do it? Um, so yeah. I doubted myself a lot. That was my first thing was anytime I struggled was, did I do something wrong? Like, what did I do? Um, so that was that were the cultural, the gender, um, because we're told that women, you know, if something bad happened to us, we probably deserved it. And I did have, you know, a coworker that had threatened me. And the whole time I was like, what did I do wrong? Instead of asking Instead of like this person threatened me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so for me, just seeing another person having gone through the same issues. Yeah, like other people are also going through this. There's to know that there's resources to help people to talk to. Well, great insight, Amy. Let's take a yeah. quick break. And then we'll be right back with more insight to the music industry and gender equity. Okay, so we're back and we're going to talk a little bit more about the music industry and popular music. Um, so particularly popular music lends itself as a way to teach about gender equity in the music industry. Just as gender is associated with societal norms, so is popular music. Thus, music is a teaching tool that can be used in relation to sociology. T. Martinez discusses the proposal of popular culture as a way to teach about race, class, and gender, specifically through the use of song lyrics. 
By examining different lyrics by popular music artists, topics within sociology can be demonstrated and further discussed. Specifically, gender topics can be further explored within the classroom, within their relation to music and how it fits with societal expectations and influences. So pop culture really kind of directly influences where these where these kids are, what we're teaching them, what they're listening to, what it means to them. And so the music is then relevant to students on multiple levels, including one that helps remold who they expect to hear and what they expect to hear from them. So what are your thoughts on using popular music to teach about gender equity in the classroom? Um, in general, teaching popular music is so helpful in so many ways. And um, like, I mean, you've got teenagers, for me, like I've got teenagers who don't go outside of the their communities. Like, I don't think I've had really any kids that even had food like Chick-fil-A because it's not offered within like a 10, 15 mile radius. Um, and so they, they still have so much to explore about the world, but then in a way they're also a little more worldly than when we were at their age because of oh, access yes. to technology and social media. Um, so one of the things I definitely feel um, responsible for is to guide them through the cultures that they're consuming and what's being marketed to them by teaching them marketing skills too. And so to recognize what's going on in their world. Um, and one really important aspect that I try to um, emphasize is like the N word. Uh, like I think 99 point something percent of my kids are all Latino. And so when they use the N word, I'm like, wait, what? You're, it's not part of your culture, but they consume it. So they think they have the right to use it. Um, and just observing their favorite rappers and, you know, everybody that they hear about using this word, you know, and becomes so problematic. Um, they don't know the history of it, you know, and then also, um, you know, anti LGBTQI, you know, uh, terms. Um, because, you know, like they listen to the baby and he says those things. And so um, I, I do feel an onerous in guiding them towards those uh, aspects that they're just, you know, they're consuming but not knowing too much about. Um, so educating them using popular music is a gateway to popular culture. Um, so you do have that cultural component that you teach that you can't get into when you're only focused on traditional Eurocentric music. You really hit the nail on the head. There's a reason (laughs) why we, we, you know, there's that meme of, you know, listening to dead white guys. (laughs) Um, So I'm I'm not saying to do completely away with what we've been doing, but the whole of music education right now is still mostly traditional in its approach, like 1880s. Um, and so, I mean, I could count on one hand how many women were even talked about in my entire undergrad and grad music experiences, 10 years of college. And I probably only had like three female composers. So we do have an issue here of not only race, but gender as well. Uh, and, um, you know, it's that modern cultural landscape really helps to be more inclusive of everybody, um, and uh, now we're getting into people not even needing to afford, you know, decades of lessons and private, you know, 
you know, knowledge to create music. Um, so you're also allowing people who um, of different social classes to learn about these things. So yeah, not only gender equity, um, racial equity, but social equity, everything can be, you know, taught in just popular music. So, um, but uh, yeah, Especially I mean, like nowadays, yeah. Like those things just intermingle so much. And I think sometimes we like look at it through just like one lens and we're like, like, oh, like, let's just talk about gender equity. And like, we can just talk about that. But the reality is, is that people experience like these layered on top of each other. Mm-hmm. And I think when we say like, oh, well, we're helping because we're only and I'm so glad like you're bringing these points up because I think sometimes we think we're we're helping. And I'm saying this as like a white a white woman, you know, we think we're helping because, you know, we're talking about gender, but we're not allowing people to express these other issues that are also piled on top of it and intermingled with it and underlying it. And yeah, you like, can't you can't just pull it away and say like, Oh, like that's fixed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so many underlying and connected cultures and identities. I mean, that melting pot of, you know, cultures, we, each of us experience that differently. Um, and like in the program that we're taught at to teach to build in the university level. So when we're getting our teaching credential and we're learning about music teaching, we're taught, we're all taught the same thing of, you know, here's these instruments and um, note reading, you know, how to do that. But then what you teach at like like a school that's highly funded, like one school I was coaching at had over $250,000 in their annual budget. And then meanwhile, I'm here with my one, my $1,500 budget. <laughs> We're all taught to teach one type of student. It's, and like, well, the funny thing is every time we're learning about teaching strategies, we're like, we always just assume that you're teaching a kid that's going to sit quietly, not mm-hmm. have their phones out, and that, you know, they wouldn't have issues with reading and comprehension. They're going to have supportive parents and they're going to not need lunches provided at school. That they have internet at home, a working computer that could access all these apps um, and to pay for certain like method books and stuff like that. And your own reads. Yeah. So um, really, it comes down to all equity. Popular music, you um, could do so much more with that. And people in the music industry, are wanting to give back, but they feel that they can't give back meaningfully and purposefully because the teachers aren't being open to welcoming their knowledge. And then also, I, you know, when I talk to my colleagues about doing more industry stuff, um, like Professor Sampson said, they just don't understand it. Um, and a lot of them are just not willing to understand it. Uh, and I guess it really just comes down to the population that you teach in. But as someone that is has mainly taught in Title I schools that gets federal funding for kids that are in high need, um, low socioeconomic areas, um, like, you know, a lot of kids that are dropping out of school, they're doing drugs or in gangs, like, you can't reach them the same methods that you would, you know, at a, you know, so you can't expect 
know, it needs so this, much more. Yeah. So needs so much more. <laughs> I know. Right. And, you know, just engagement, um, people that are reluctant to teach popular music, first of all, they, you know, don't understand it. Um, and even if they do want to understand it, they don't have the time to. Um, and then, I mean, it's, it's really learning another language. Um, you know, all we know about the music industry is probably from what we've seen in the movies. And a lot of things are so obscure, a lot of terms. Um, and um, it, it, I, I understand why it's hard to get into that, those types of, you know, topics. Like for me, I tried self-learning and I had to enroll myself into another master's program <laughs> to understand how all these sectors in the industry works. And, um, but yeah, through that, I've gotten quite a lot of supportive people. They want to give back, but they didn't know how to before. Um, so facilitating ways for them to uh, see student work and give feedback instead of just talking at them, um, you know, creating workshops, uh, presentations for the kids to, you know, to do. Uh, so, um, but yeah, popular music in general could help reach so many more kids um, and in different ways than just having fun. Um, and, oh, the thing I was trying to mention was when we have a traditional program that's only teaching instrumental or just the ensemble uh, aspect, you really are teaching kids to execute and express, right? Especially um, marching band when, <laughs> what, June or July, before the school year even starts, you're already working. Oh, actually, before that, you usually buy the show like in April. Yeah. <laughs> and then oh, yeah. You work all the way to like November, December, even the same, what, four pieces of music that, what, 10 minute show, and you spend all your resources in that time, you know, in just one ensemble just to teach them to execute. And, you know, out of all of that, what have you learned? Have you even learned about, you don't even have the time to learn about, um, you know, who has the melody here and who's supportive lines here. Um, you know, and, but then, and also, so popular music also, um, again, it's not only executing the music, but learning how to express and connect and respond um, in ways that you can't with uh, another type of uh, course. Yeah, all these possibilities, you know, just trying to uplift individuals within a community that way. Um, and, but yeah, all this, I think, takes having a philosophy um, that's built on a deep understanding of the students you're teaching and the community you're teaching um, and take, trying to take them from where they are. I couldn't agree more. Well, thank you, Amy, for your time and work with popular music. Although popular music presents a new and high interest field of study marked by an increase in current research, it is plagued by these issues of inclusion and equity. Women have received little attention in the field, often making up a small percentage of the workforce in the music industry, while also receiving less pay. How then does one effectively teach popular music understanding gender equity? Today we looked at the gendered experiences of both students and teachers. We explored differences within the context of the music classroom and how these gender distinctions can affect both teaching and learning. 
The field of popular music currently includes gender misrepresentation and underrepresentation, which music educators need to be aware of in order to better connect and prepare students for the industry. In turn, popular music itself can be used as one method of teaching about this misrepresentation through the history and relevance of the field. Themes on gender can be chosen to educate students about equity and inclusion while also providing a space to discuss and create relevance to these issues. Popular music can be a stepping stone to change for educators when addressing issues within the music industry along with their students. Popular music currently has issues with inclusion and equity where women receive little awareness and often are paid less. Women can be better supported in order to have the space to flourish like men have been in the field when space is made specifically for change. By discussing these happenings in educational spaces, students have a chance to recognize the issues and help enact change. They become informed listeners who pay attention to who is performing. They begin to wonder more about who is writing a song on the radio and where their support is going when it comes to listening to artists. Popular music can help to define why gender is an important point in the music industry and how including it within the education in the field can better serve the students, teachers, and industry itself. The music industry can do better, and that starts with education about popular music starting with the realities of today while moving towards hope for the future. And that hope is in the representation of the music industry will accurately reflect gender, including equal pay, through the teaching and learning of popular music by both educators and students. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. It was great having Amy here to discuss gender equity within the music industry and her work with teaching popular music, especially during a pandemic. I'm just absolutely blown away that she was able to accomplish the work she has during this time. Thank you again, Amy. Oh, you're welcome. And it's, you know, thank you for having me. It's it's truly an honor to be given the space to voice issues. Um, And, um, you know, we really need to just seek change by first acknowledging the problems that we might not even be aware of unless we're being directly affected by it. Um, So, yeah, thank you again for uh, giving me the space to share with everybody. We packed a lot of information into this conversation today and hope that you will continue it with your friends, colleagues, musicians, and students. Learning about gender equity is the first step towards change, so keep educating yourself and work to include these ideas in what you teach and what you do. Thank you to Chris Sampson for his work on this series, along with the support of my class on my project. And thank you all for listening in. Thank you.